Oregon football has its fourth verbal commitment for the class of 2023. So who does Dante Dowdell remind us of as Duck fans when it comes to pass ball carriers? We'll look at that today on Locked On Ducks. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view if first view if you're watching on YouTube every day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every weekday. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Appreciate all of you for doing that. Off to a real smooth start there. Almost had a good clean open to today's show, but not quite. You know what uh, you know what is good, fresh, and clean. I need to remember how to speak here, everybody. Um, Eventually, I'll figure it out. But you know who has it figured out? Oregon men's and women's track and field. Shout out to both of them. Sweeping the Pac-12 championships this year. They are are conference champions. So uh, congrats. Congrats and go Ducks. I mean, that that is awesome, awesome stuff at that beautiful, beautiful facility where they get to work at. That's a, that is a really, really great accomplishment. And you love to see that, right? You just you love to see conference championships as Duck fans wherever they come in. Oregon fans looking for one in the football realm and hoping that maybe a guy like Dante Dowdell will be someone who, who can lead them there. As far as I know, that's the correct pronunciation of his name. If some of you know that it's something else, by all means, hop in the YouTube comments. I've heard Dowdell in a couple places. That's what we're rolling with today. But Dowdell is uh, a 2023 four-star running back from Picayune Memorial High School, which is a fascinating name, Picayune. Picayune, Picayune, Pikachu, who knows? Uh, in, in Picayune, Mississippi, he is 6'1", 207 pounds. And what stands out most about him is he is a physical downhill runner and that plays into something i've mentioned kind of briefly here on the show which is the sort of running backs that this coaching staff and carlos lachlan are bringing in all have one characteristic no matter their size no matter their their style or stats or anything of the sorts that they are all physical runners and i don't think that that's by accident and you know most running backs i would say are but definitely not all seven mcgee came to oregon as a running back had uh, you know some physical components but i wouldn't say he was a physical runner d'anthony thomas was not a physical runner uh kenyon barner was not a physical runner right it doesn't mean they weren't effective or great running backs it just means that that's not necessarily their mo as backs charles nelson when he would take a handoff you don't think of him and think physicality but with this guy you most definitely do his highlight reel has a lot of running through arm tacklers like they're not even there. Like they're just coaches at practice hitting him with a tackling dummy. I mean, he is breezing through these guys down in Mississippi. He seeks out contact as well. You know, some guys are, are big bodies and will will take it. This guy is looking for it. I mean, he, he's like a headhunter, uh, you know, at, like a safety is in the secondary. That's what he is as a running back. He gets through to the second level and he's looking around going, where, where's somebody I can hit? I want to pound the rock into somebody. And that is exactly what he does. I mean, this is just not a guy that you want to meet one-on-one in, in a little in a little 10-yard vacuum. 
it's just not going to go very well for you because he's a big guy, knows how to use his size, and he enjoys using his size. That speaks to his mentality as a running back, the way that you know he seeks out contact and really wants to finish runs, and, and he does. He comes to Oregon over uh, three SEC schools that were in his final four, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Tennessee. We'll get to the implications of that a little bit later in the show, but his last year, this last year in high school, he has one more. This is class of 2023, the fourth commitment the Ducks have had in that class at this point in the recruiting cycle, which, of course, has a long ways to go. And we'll be talking again with John Garcia later this week to discuss Oregon's latest recruiting pursuits, kind of what this one means and all that good stuff, which is why you should like and subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. If you haven't already, I thank you if you have. This past year in high school, he ran for over 2,500 yards. It's pretty good. And 28 touchdowns also seems pretty good. And his team won the state title. That's pretty darn good. Now, here's the fascinating thing about that. When you think of an explosive offense, even at the high school level now, you think of spreading everybody out and three, four receiver packages. And this one's a little bit old school. Down there at, at, at Picayune high, Memorial High School in Mississippi, they're still doing some old school stuff, and he was the lead back in the wing T single wing offense, I think is how it's officially described. It looks like the wing T, you know, they're all kind of the same, right? It's reliant on counters and deception and quick handoffs and quick moves. And there are some drawbacks to that potentially in that he doesn't know how to run the ball or doesn't have a lot of experience running the ball out of a traditional shotgun formation or even a traditional under center look, right? So that might be a bit of an adjustment for him when he gets to college. But the good thing about that is it means that his vision, instincts, and commitment to making a cut are exceptionally good. And that's something that stands out because when you have those quick handoffs, you don't have time to let blocks develop and you know be patient, right? Like Byron Cardwell is really good at on those outside zone plays with a pulling guard. You don't have time to let that sort of stuff marinate and fully process through. You have to make very quick decisions. So that means that his vision is probably very good, but he has to get accustomed to, and I don't think it'll be a huge problem, but it's just something worthy of note. He'll have to get accustomed to longer developing run plays and not always having to make such a quick decision because he's used to just, you know, getting a quick handoff, you hit the hall, boom, and, and then it's there. And so that's uh, I just thought that was fascinating because I don't think you see that generate these sorts of players. Right. He's a pretty highly rated four star. He had some big time schools going after him, Oregon and then th then the three SEC schools as well. But this is another running back who the Ducks have brought in. And if, boy, I was just talking about Carlos Lachlan. Is he having a good start to his tenure with the Ducks or what? I mean, if you had to draw up as a position coach your first few months on the job for a new coaching staff that comes over after a change. What, what does the most ideal start look like as a position coach? Is it close to what Carlos Lachlan is doing right now? Kind of seems that way because Oregon has suddenly gone from boy running back. Don't only got two scholarship players there to kind of looks like Oregon is set at, uh, at running back for a while. Will they add another running back in the class of 2023? Fascinating question. They might not have to. I'll tell you why after I tell you about Bilt Bar. Imagine, just imagine, Duck fans, dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting. 
And then opening your eyes and realizing is 150 calories, 16 grams of protein. That is what it is like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built Bar. That is something that I have enjoyed several times over the last few days. And let me tell you, it tastes like a dessert, but it's got 16 grams of protein, only 150 calories. These are not covered in 100% real chocolate, but all the other ones are, as you know. And they've just got a bunch of a bunch of amazing flavors like birthday cake to celebrate your birthday. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. The debate about the, the class of 2023 right now for, for the Ducks and the staff is, are they going to add another running back? Kind of doesn't look like they have to. I mean, this has just been such a a radical shift where you you had a point in spring football this year where there were two scholarship running backs that were taking carries, Sean Dollars and Byron Cardwell. Then you knew you had Jordan James coming in. All right, like that's you know someone who, who's going to enroll in, uh, in in the summer for fall camp and all that sort of stuff. But now you had Marquise Irving and you had Noah Whittington, who are both highly capable backs, and now you've got Dante. Dowdell coming in in the class of 2023. Carlos Lachlan's off to an amazing start, looking like he's going to be one of the best additions on the staff. I mean, that that those are just the early returns, right? We may look and say, oh boy, Tosh Lupoy has brought in a bunch of great guys, or Matt Pallage has brought in some elite DB. Like, you, you don't know, right? But right now, I would say the best position coach on Oregon staff in terms of who the best hire was looks to be Carlos Lachlan because he's just short up a position that had a bunch of question marks. And so, You've got Jordan James in class of 2022. Marquise Irving has three years of eligibility left. Byron Cardwell's got three years. Dollars could be here for multiple seasons. I, I, I don't think Oregon needs to add another running back in the class of 2023. Doesn't mean they won't, because you do have to factor in nowadays, like not all these guys are maybe going to get the number of carries that they are expecting or, or hoping for. And so maybe one or two will hit the portal and then they end up bringing in more depth in uh, in next year's class right but that would be that would come later because right now the running back room for the next several years it, it just looks set right you've got all the guys that i mentioned and the ducks are still in pursuit at least somewhat or unofficially i guess of roger robinson the second the three or four star depending on where you look who was a high school teammate with uh, jaleel tucker and jaleel florence oregon freshman dbs in class of 2022 we've talked about him a little bit here on the show richard young a five-star running back who's been tied to Oregon as well in the class of 2023. With Dowdell's commitment, I, I don't see how you can add another running back in that class. It just seems like there are too many bodies there and that you'd be setting yourself up for, for one of them to eventually transfer. And I just think that you have enough bodies at a position where you want to be able to rotate guys in and out, right? Running backs get beat up a lot. You want to play the hot hand over the course of a game. Even if you don't have a season-ending injury, running backs often miss you know one to two games. Like think back to uh, the, the last season that Lamichael had, right? He missed a couple of games with that elbow injury that he suffered against Cal, and Kenyon had to step in. You want to have depth because then whoever's getting uh, whoever the number two back is suddenly the number one for a game, and you don't know which game that's going to be. So having depth at the running back position is something that's really important. But I, I think Oregon has that now. I don't know how you can look at this room and feel a uh, you know, position room that is and feel any other way, then we're set. Like, I, I just, I don't see how there's room for another back in there because there's just so much talent. There's so much talent, and now there's so much depth. 
because you know everyone is is high on Byron Cardwell. I am as well. Those of you who've been with me for a while know I'm a big Sean Dollars guy too. I think he could be the number one running back because he's the most physically gifted and I think has shown the most potential in, in the passing game. But I, I'm fine if it's Cardwell or if it's Sean Dollars or if it's you know more of a one-two punch like we saw with C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye over the last couple of years. Like that was really effective. And so I, I think adding Dowdell makes you know Robinson more likely to commit to Oregon than, than Richard Young, but I think that it reduces the likelihood that he, he will one day be a duck at all because I just think you have too many bodies in, in the room. And and I definitely think that this will close the door on Richard Young, who's a five-star in the class of 2023. He's just got too many big guys or, or big names going after him, rather, because he, he's a big-time prospect. He's got Bama and Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma are all going after him. And, you know, you think about the success that Georgia and Alabama have had recently, sending big-time running back recruits to the NFL. I can't imagine he would want to come into a room, even if he would be one of the most talented. It just looks like it's going to be a tough place for him to find carries unless he is, you know, another worldly talent, which, you know, he's a a five-star recruit. He's got those sorts of physical gifts, but it it just seems like that pursuit is going to go by the wayside, and I think that's okay because this is a, a talented position group for the Ducks, and, uh, they'll they'll be just fine if you, if uh, if Richard Young does end up going elsewhere, which I, I anticipate uh, he will. Um, the, the the one thing to keep in mind, you know, as I say, the running back room is really secure. In less than a calendar year from now, right after a season, maybe Whittington or Irving don't play as as much as they were hoping for, or maybe Jordan James decides, no, nah, I'm not going to be able to get enough touches in this running back room and he decides to transfer. It's, it's a legitimate consideration. I'm sure many of you are having that thought of like, Oh, well, not all these guys are going to hang around. It's very true. But for right now, I, I think Oregon can hold off on recruiting a running back in the class of 2023 and put their time and energy and focus into other position groups that are now a more pressing need because running back just is not that right now. Uh, the other thing to note here about Dowdell is he's coming from the state of Mississippi. That's SEC territory, right? And, and everybody knows that. So it, it's not like Oregon beat out, you know, the Bamas and, and Georgias of the world for, or, you know, when LSU is, is at its peak, but also LSU is a really good recruiting school, even when they're not winning that many games, like the last couple of years, at least the way that they expect to. It's still going into SEC territory and showing that the power of Oregon travels nationwide. And that's a really good sign, both from you know a national branding perspective, but also when you just look at it from the point of view of this coaching staff, right? You want to have as wide a net as you can. You want to have as many states that you can go into and be reasonably confident that you're going to be able to get a guy out of there if you think he's going to fit into your system or you know into your roster and fill a need in a future class, right? So I think that that's that's a really good sign because, yeah, no, it it wasn't Bama, Georgia, LSU, but it's not like Ole Miss or Tennessee or Arkansas are small names, right? You know, Arkansas is a team that is definitely, definitely on the up and up in the SEC. Tennessee could be as well after a seven or eight win season last year, and we all know what happened with, with Nico and him going there, so Dowdell chose Oregon over all those schools and Ole Miss too, right? I mean, Ole Miss scores a million points because Lane Kiffin, that's basically all he does. <laughs> and Ole Miss especially, 
they score a lot of points. So I think that it's a good sign that Oregon is winning recruiting battles with those sorts of, of SEC schools. And going into the state of Mississippi and being able to to bring guy up to Eugene, I, I think that's uh, it's encouraging sign from a recruiting standpoint. He's not the most typical running back commit that the Ducks have had in the last several years. I think it's become a little bit more common to see a guy, a guy like this with his physical stature and the way that he runs and just kind of the physical presence that he brings to the backfield and the tone that you want to set with that sort of running back. I think in the in the chip and early Helfrich days, you know, even going back to Byron Marshall, I wouldn't say that he was, you know, he was kind of a, a well-balanced, can do everything, but he switched out to wide receiver. So he, he wasn't someone who ran like Dowdell is going to. There are some Oregon running backs who Dowdell's running style reminds me of. I'll tell you who they are after I remind you that our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs. And sports info, you can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, go Mariners, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So Dowdell is a little bit more of, of the Royce Freeman mold. I, I think that's the number one name who will stick out in the minds of Duck fans if you take the time to watch his highlight reel and the way that he runs and how physical he is. And, you know, he has good enough speed to break off big plays, but mostly his explosive runs, I found, came after uh, a missed arm tackle or he just ran over some poor, helpless high school defensive back down there in, in Mississippi. And I'm sure he will do that again plenty in, in his senior year. I just think that his speed is not his defining characteristic. It's his physicality. He wants to run guys over. He'd be a great short yardage back. I think he's like Cyrus Habibi Likio, but much, much better. He's got much better speed, much more well-rounded. You know, Habibi Likio was short yardage only. Uh, I think, you know, Freeman was six foot, 227 pounds. That's a very similar build to what you're going to get here from Dowdell who, you know, even though he's a really big guy, can still probably put on some weight when when he gets to college. You know, I think most guys typically do. And I think that'll allow him to, to be able to use his size and his power and his physicality even more so. You know, a little bit also reminds reminds me of Trey Benson, who was six foot, 209 pounds coming out of high school. Uh, Thomas Tyner was 5'11", 207. I think Tyner's got a little bit more explosive speed, but I always like Thomas Tyner as a running back. I thought he was you know, really well balanced, not a huge, huge pass catcher, but, you know, ha had great speed, but also ran with power and physicality the way that Dowdell does, who again is 6'1", 207 pounds. I think the running style is, you know, probably most similar to, to Trey Benson or Royce Freeman. I know we didn't see a lot from Trey Benson, but I, I think that's, you know, kind of the, the comparison here, the, the most direct one, right? You, you can, it, pick and choose about like, oh, he's a little bit like this, a little bit like that. But uh, I think Dowdell is a little bit more physical than what we saw from uh, from Trey Benson. Now, granted, we didn't get to see a lot, so he probably never hit his his ceiling there. But, you know, he reminds me uh, kind of like a Bo Scarborough at, at Alabama, right? Not going to blow you away with the speed, but he runs between the tackles. And it's going to be tough to get him down. Not like Derrick Henry tough, but nobody is Derrick Henry tough, right? It's just, he's a big guy. You have to go low. He's going to be tough to tackle. And so 
I, I think this is sort of guy that, that Dan Lanning and the staff want to bring in, right? Is Lanning has that SEC DNA in him. He was at Alabama and then he was at Memphis, but then he was at Georgia. And that's kind of where his, his chops as a coach grew. Uh, I don't even know if that's how you use that phrase. Honestly, that's where he got his chops. I, you, you know what I'm trying to say. His coaching pedigree. There we go. He, he got his pedigree and got on people's radar as a potential head coach and ultimately Oregon's, of course, because of what he did at, at Georgia. And you think SEC, you think big, you think fast, you think powerful, you think physical. And I think that that's what he brings and what all these running backs bring in some form or another. And so I, I think stylistically that is something that makes sense based on what you know, we, we know about Dan Lanning and what's what this offense, I think, can be this year in uh, in 2022 and beyond. He's class of 2023. But I, I think we'll see this year an attempt to to have a physical run game and not try and, you know, just run around teams to to the edge like Chip and Helfrich used to back in the day. I, I think you're going to see a lot more a, a lot of between the tackle stuff and all these running backs have the sort of physical gifts to to be able to do that. Uh, wrapping up the show today with a, a little little pro ducks basketball talk. Uh, Dylan Brooks ha- has been in the headlines m- more than a few times in the last few weeks for for those of you basketball fans out there. And you know one of uh, one of the awesome fans who, uh, who who sends messages all the time and asks questions here on the show. Which, by the way, any of you can do. Tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod, or you can just direct message me at Smalls underscore 55, as you can see down there on YouTube, or at LockedOnDucks. DM's wide open. Ask me any questions. Say you like the show. Say you think I'm a schmuck. Yeah, yeah, like, whatever. Just, just like, go for it. I'm all here for, for fan engagement, uh, and I love doing mailbag stuff as well. But he was uh, a Duck Demon, who has asked a couple questions here on the show in the mailbag, was uh, uh, we, we were chatting about, Dylan Brooks and kind of how he's he's always kind of been an agitator, you know, like seeing all this stuff he does. I like I would probably despise Dylan Brooks if he weren't on my team or a former duck. Like I know a number of people who just can't stand the guy and I totally get it. I mean, I like him, but that's because he helped get Oregon to a, a final four. But, you know, him being that sort of tone setter, that uh, defensive energy, make a physical play, be a little bit of an agitator, annoy the other team. He's always kind of been that. Right. And remember, there was that whole sequence with Coach K at the end of the 20, what was it, 16? The, yeah, 16 tournament. I, yeah, 2016 NCAA tournament where Oregon was a one seed, ended up losing in the Elite Eight to Buddy Heald, who went absolutely bananas in that game. But before that, they beat the fourth seed at Duke Blue Doubles, a team that Brandon Ingram was on. And there was that moment where Coach K called him out, and then Coach K later apologized, and it was just Coach K upset that his team had lost to Oregon. I started thinking about that, and you know, Dylan Brooks has become a better NBA player than I thought he would be. I mean, I was confident he would go and be the best of the bunch between him and uh, Dorsey and Boucher and Bell, and I think he's definitely become that because he's kind of one of the leaders on a Memphis team that was just in the Western Conference semis and went to six games with the Golden State Warriors. But, you know, I, I didn't think he'd become that sort of player. I thought he'd be like a really good role player who you want because of his energy, because of his, you know, offensive potential and what he brings to the defensive end as well. But I was thinking about that moment with Coach K. I kind of feel like that was the moment where Oregon basketball moved from being a solid mid-tier Power 5 program that people respected to, oh, okay, this is a legit, like, this is not a fake one seed. They just knocked off Coach K and Duke. 
in the Sweet 16, and now they're going to the Elite Eight. I think Dylan Brooks was very much a part of that. So that was just kind of on my mind as I watched him all through the playoffs. And, you know, it's it's always fun for me. I know many of you enjoy watching products as well. Speaking of products in the NBA, Peyton Pritchard got a Mike Breen bang call the other day. That's big time. That that That's when you know, that's a mama I made it moment when you're playing in the NBA and Mike Breen gives you a bang, a, a bang call. Like that's, that's, that's elite, elite stuff there. But, you know, I, I think Brooks really was part. I think that kind of was the, the moment where under Dana Altman, Oregon went from like, oh, this is a good team to, oh, this is, this is like a real, t- this is not a fake number one seed. This is like a real number one seed that just beat Duke and coach K in the sweet 16. I, I think that was, that was a pretty pivotal moment and Brooks was part of that. So I always have an affinity for him, even if he, you know, might go over the line a little bit from time to time, but you know what? I see a guy like that and I understand why people get agitated with him, but at the same time, I'm a Portland trailblazers fan and we haven't had a guy like that in a long time. And guess what? The blazers are a mess. There are a lot of reasons I could give you 30 minutes on why the blazers are a disaster, but defensively they've always been terrible because they don't have a guy like Dylan Brooks. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.